Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode 101. We have a great show for you today. Today we're talking about water, right? Water is such a hot topic. And so today we are looking in the Process Magazine, the January-February 2024 issue of the Process. This issue is jam-packed full of information on water. So today we are going to focus our efforts on two articles, but before that, we're going to get into the segment, What's on My Mind. So today on What's On My Mind, I am looking at a clinical issue in the AORN journal. And so this is an issue or a question that uh, I have heard quite often. And so here is a great answer. And the question is, can sterile supplies be stored on the same shelf as unsterile supplies? Great question. So here's the answer. Personnel should separate unsterile and sterile items on storage shelving. However, no evidence has been found regarding the sterility of packages related to their proximity to unsterile items or placement on storage shelving. Personnel may separate unsterile and sterile items on the same shelf using bins or containers. Personnel should not place unsterile items on a shelf above a sterile item because sterile items may be contaminated by debris, for example, lint or dust, falling from the unsterile item onto the sterile packaging. Therefore, when possible, personnel should place sterile items on upper shelves and unsterile clean items on lower shelves. Sterility should be event-related unless otherwise specified by the packaging system manufacturer's labeled expiration date. Event-related means that sterility maintenance is based on factors such as the quality of the packaging material, the storage conditions, the method and conditions of transport, and the amount of conditions of handling. The sterility of the package may be compromised by breaking the seal, loss of package integrity, multiple instances of handling, moisture penetration, and exposure to airborne contaminants. The probability of contamination increases over time and with increased handling. Personnel should store sterile items under controlled conditions and in a manner that protects the integrity of the sterile bearer system to minimize the risk of contaminating the sterile items. Personnel should keep storage racks, bins, and containers clean and dry. So there you go, there's your answer of can sterile supplies be stored on the same shelf as unsterile supplies. So that's gonna do it for this segment of What's On My Mind. For more information, check out the AORN Journal, 
Clinical Issues section. So this article is titled, A Leader's Guide to Understanding and Following ST-108, the Water Quality Standard. This article is authored by Marie Brewer, who is a friend of the show. So if you remember, Marie was involved in a splash study and she gave us some details on the podcast with that uh, study that she did with the Austed group. So this article reads, As her journey began into the realm of water quality, she struggled to really understand the terminology, chemistry, and the effects the hospital water management system had on the medical device processing. With time and the help of some colleagues, she learned how to create a complete and defensible water management program. Now, she says that she did not do this alone. She partnered with a water management company and She says that there are several out there that can assist still processing leaders on their journey toward compliance. And she also says that the best part of this is that many of those companies offer a free introductory assessment or proposal. Now, there are several published articles that address the nitty gritty of water quality. However, she discovered that most of them fail to provide actionable steps that leaders can take to bring their water management program into alignment with the newly released ANSI AMI ST-108-2003, which is Water for Reprocessing of Medical Devices. So this article aims to help fill in some of those critical gaps. Now, the author says that she relies heavily on high-reliability organizational principles at her facility, and these include sensitivity to operations, preoccupation with failure, reluctance to simplify, resilience, and the deference to expertise. These principles come into play when working through process improvement initiatives. It will take time to become compliant with this new standard, but the rewards will be well worth it for your patients, healthcare customers, and your sterile processing team. While understanding the various faucets and recommendations in ST-108 can be daunting, it is vital that the sterile processing teams learn and comprehend the basic concepts of how water quality issues can lead to adverse patient events. Additionally, we must be able to differentiate the major indicators that imply a problem with our water quality system. ST-108 clearly defines a proper water system design, along with recommendations for testing, ongoing monitoring, and maintenance. The document also explains what water quality is, why it's significant, and the risk associated with poor water quality. Now, just a reminder, Gram-negative bacteria and non-tuberculosis microbacteria can grow in any type of water. This includes tap, softened, or treated water, and steam condensate. So we must include these water sources to effectively monitor the factors that could affect the water quality. The improved quality achieved with a water management program 
can protect the life of our equipment, instruments, and improve patient outcomes and lower infection rates. So where should you begin? It is first necessary to determine which device processing activity requires water, because there are many, and then identify and document the locations where water is used. For example, sterile processing department, the operating room, an endoscopy lab, cardiology suites, and then the sources of water used for each of those. Be sure to identify the water source for these fixed assets. And there's a list, sterile processing steam sterilizers, OR, operating room substerile sterilizers, washer disinfectors, automated endoscope reprocessors, transesophageal echocardiogram probes, ultrasonic washers, cart washers, and decontamination sinks and stations. All right, so how should you begin? The following steps will help ensure that the sterile processing department and other areas that process reusable medical devices have an appropriate water management program in place that meets the various needs of the department and the safety requirements for patient care. All right, she goes on to give you six actionable steps here, so let's go over those. The first being establish a multidisciplinary team responsible for the water management program. So it is not unusual to see this workflow through a subset of the hospital's infection prevention and control committee, or you may also form a water management team. However, all stakeholders should be included on this team, including representatives from sterile processing, facility maintenance, your infection prevention folks, and biomedical engineering. In addition, there should be a representation from sterile processing equipment and chemistry manufacturers. This water management team should review ST108 recommendations, including Table 1 in Section 4 that addresses multidisciplinary responsibilities. Note the author strongly recommends separating this water management program from the overall facility water quality. Next, create your water quality and safety goals for medical device processing. Now this includes educating the team about the water basics, and you can refer to Annex A in ST108, as they pertain to sterile processing functions, reviewing the Spalding classification of medical equipment and devices, and then defining the facility's use of utility water, critical water, and steam. And these can be found in section six, seven, and Annex D. Now next, you need to assess your current state. There is no one size fits all solution. Each facility design is unique and you may not need to redesign your current system to determine what is appropriate it is important to perform a risk analysis and probably a gap analysis. And you can find this in section four in Annex B. And then develop process diagrams to illustrate your system design for water and steam distribution. Evaluate your current system design for capacity and adherence to water standards. Define which water processing steps contribute to safety Significant contributors require the creation of controls for each specific step 
and assess water efficiency. Number four, define your control locations. These are the places that could see important variations that result in water safety or efficiency problems as they relate to medical device processing. And this can be found in section 10, Annex G. Define control ranges and the appropriate actions to follow when the values exceed or fall under the defined range. You can also see ST108 in table four. Now next, verification of the water management program. This entails confirming through the provision of objective evidence that specified requirements have been fulfilled. Create a schedule and include frequency of testing of programs controls. Include testing at both the water generation system and the point of use. Results should be interpreted to include suggested improvements for your program controls. Again, see ST108 sections 11, table five and six are helpful. Some facilities may choose to have this step completed by an independent company to provide the facility with the greatest legal protection. This can be important because many of us are not water experts. Having an independent third-party company verify the results, offer recommendations, and document the findings is a best practice. Note, if water treatment is needed, the facility is responsible for ensuring treatment processing occur in a timely fashion to meet device processing needs and requirements. And then last is the validation of the water management program. Now, this is a confirmation process that provides objective evidence that the requirements for a specific intended use or application have been fulfilled. At this stage, it is important to define the response to failed tests and review the efficiency of program controls. So in conclusion, water quality is a factor that affects every facet of medical device processing. Striving to meet the recommendations of ST108 is a team effort that must be driven by that multidisciplinary team which involves stakeholders. While some leaders may want to avoid adopting ST-108 in their facility policies due to the perceived challenges, all sterile processing leaders are encouraged to view this standard as an existing opportunity to advocate for the proper water system design and effective monitoring processes. Doing so will help reduce adverse patient and equipment events across the care continuum. Any sterile processing leaders who are struggling with getting started should consider contacting uh, professional suppliers that design and support successful water management programs for device processing. Some vendors can also help their customers meet ongoing requirements such as environmental testing, documentation, and training for sample collection. So this is a great article if you don't have a water management program or if you are struggling to put a water management program in place. You know, there's some great advice here in this article. And again, that is in the Process Magazine. Hey, let's pause our conversation for just a second. Are you looking to get a CE for this episode? Well, you are in luck. To get a CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes Log on to your MyHSPA and use the code PROCESS. Again, the code for this specific episode is PROCESS. 
Now let's get back to those articles. Well, I hope you liked that last article. I have one more good article on water and it's called Guarding the Gateway, Ensuring Water-Related Safety and Quality in Sterile Processing. And this is authored by Norm Thompson. The responsibilities of sterile processing professionals extend far beyond just cleaning medical devices and surgical equipment. These individuals are daily fighters in the war against the enemy, microorganisms. So this battle reminds the author of a video game Mortal Kombat and how preparing for the battle is vital to the success. Sterile processing technicians are at a disadvantage because the enemy, those microorganisms, it's invisible to the naked eye and yet still must be eradicated. With that knowledge, it is imperative to use and consistently follow all manufacturer's instructions for use, standards, guidelines, best practices, and the facility's policies and procedures to mount an appropriate assault on the microbiome enemy. To do so, the enemy and the battle should be viewed as a constant code red, high alert. This article addresses some of the ways water challenges surrounding the vital resource that can pose infection risk to employees and patients can contribute to processing failures and potential device damage. It also identifies sterile processing tools, practices, and steps that may be taken for granted or overlooked due to repetition or time pressures. The entire department presents numerous challenges and safety requirements that must be well understood and prioritized by each employee across every shift. Personal protective equipment is a critical aspect of the employee's safety, and it also helps protect technicians from inhaling aerosolized water droplets by wearing a mask and from splashes by wearing the appropriate fluid-resistant gown. Aerosolization and splashing of contaminated water can become especially problematic when technicians brush instruments above the waterline. Depending on the force, the droplets can travel lengthy distances and aerosolized droplets can remain suspended in the air and even be carried further by currents and ventilation systems. Now, it is imperative that technicians receive ongoing training to minimize splashing and aerosolization risk during decontamination and always wear the correctly fitted and appropriate PPE for the task at hand. It should also be replaced whenever necessary, including when PPE becomes saturated, compromised, or otherwise visibly contaminated. Preventing wet packs and loads. Wet packs are a common concern for many sterile processing technicians and present as visible moisture on the inside or outside of an item or package after undergoing steam sterilization. This moisture can appear as droplets, visible dampness, or a puddle of water. If more than one wet pack occurs, it should be considered a wet load. Moisture remaining in a post-steam sterilization pack can pose a serious patient safety threat because wet pack contents can serve as a breeding ground for infection-causing microorganisms. Beyond that, wet packs can contribute to instrument corrosion, therefore doing everything possible to prevent these occurrences is an essential line of protection. 
Now, there are numerous factors to consider and processes to follow to help minimize the risk for wet packs and wet loads. Now, there is a list of these to follow. So one, thoroughly clean and properly prepared devices for attempting to sterilize them. Remember, unclean devices cannot be sterilized effectively. Two, choose appropriate packing. Ensure packing materials are designed for sterilization processes and check that pouches and wraps are free of tears and holes. Next, load the sterilizer properly. Avoid overloading the sterilizer chamber as crowding can impede steam circulation and prevent proper drying. Also, ensure adequate clearance from chamber walls. Next, allow enough drying time. Failure to allow for adequate drying following steam sterilization is a common cause of wet packs. Always follow the manufacturer's instructions and parameters. Number five, ensure proper steam quality, air removal, and steam penetration. Part of a sterile processing's professional job is ensuring steam quality is tested before running a load. The DART test will assist in detecting changes in steam quality that may compromise the load. Facilitate proper ventilation. It is important to never stack instruments or sterilize sets closely together. Doing so can restrict circulation and contribute to wet packs. Adequate space is required for proper flow around packs. Number seven, identify water quality needs. Water with impurities or high mineral count can contribute to wet packs. The use of purified water such as reverse osmosis or deionized is preferred. Any question about which type of water is appropriate should be discussed with facilities engineering department. Next, prioritize training and education. Among the most vital step in preventing wet packs and other negative outcomes is continuing education for all employees in the sterile processing department. Every team member must understand the whys and the hows of effective steam sterilization and the critical need to prevent wet packs and wet loads. And then last, adopt an all hands on deck approach to wet pack prevention. Wet packs present serious disruptions that can result in procedural delays or cancellations, or even worse, contaminated instruments that could cause life-threatening infections. Facilities and sterile processing leadership must implement water quality assurance measures, monitor environmental conditions, and proactively collaborate with manufacturers to ensure sterilizers are functioning optimally. Such proactive approaches to monitoring and sterilization processes can prevent wet packs and other major issues, while also increasing employee accountability and compliance. Preventing and addressing humidity spikes. Excessive humidity in the sterile storage area can pose significant challenges. High humidity levels can also cause condensation and wet packs and compromise sterility. Humidity must be monitored and recorded daily and any fluctuations that fall outside the acceptable range must be addressed promptly and appropriately. Guidelines from the American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, and Air Conditioning Engineers, ASHRAE Standard 170, state that relative humidity in sterile storage should not exceed 60% and temperatures should not exceed 75 degrees Fahrenheit. A temperature and humidity log should be maintained for each area in the sterile processing department. 
Monitoring devices are available to detect fluctuations. Sterile processing professionals should be aware of the potential sources of temperature and humidity changes, such as a faulty HVAC system, leaks, or inadequate ventilation. Regular inspections of the HVAC system should be performed to ensure proper functioning. If any ventilation-related issues are suspected or identified, then facilities maintenance should be notified. Controlling room ventilation can involve adjusting the air exchange rates, the balance between fresh air intake and exhaust, implementing control measures, and regularly monitoring environmental conditions in the healthcare facility can minimize temperature and humidity spikes. Excess humidity can also be caused by flooding in an area of the department, including a poorly addressed previous flood or leak incident. The department must proactively assess, identify, and address humidity fluctuations and other water-related concerns that can jeopardize device sterility and patient safety. So in conclusion, the fight against the enemy, those microorganisms, is a constant battle, one in which the enemy is often impossible to see with the naked eye, and can easily hide, thrive, and multiply, and can be difficult to clean and eradicate. Water is among the most critical sources sterile processing professionals have to clean and sterilize medical devices. However, it may contribute to the spread of infection if not used effectively and cautiously. Applying continuous quality improvement techniques, providing ongoing training about splashes and aerosolation risk and reduction methods, evaluating new and improved chemistries to make cleaning easier and more effective, understanding water quality basics and the different types of water and its uses, and ensuring temperature and humidity levels remain at acceptable levels are all essential steps for ensuring quality outcomes and employee and patient safety. Sterile processing professionals are vital contributors to patient care. Therefore, sterile processing facility leaders must maintain vigilant by committing to training with confidence and ensuring all technicians have the necessary knowledge and products, processes, leadership, support to perform the duties consistently, appropriately, and safely. So another good article, again, I recommend that you check out the January-February 2024 Process Magazine. So there are two more articles on water in this edition, so check that out. Get your water fix. Well, that music can mean only one thing, and I'm sorry to say, but we are out of time for today. You know, there are some great articles. This is a great edition of the process. It's all about water. Thank you to Marie and thank you, Norm, for your articles, for contributing to HSPA education. You know, again, I recommend that you go pick up the process, the January, February 2024 edition, and read more on water and all that that implies. HSPA episode 101 is in the books. Again, thanks for listening to the show. If you want to listen to other episodes, all the episodes we do here on the podcast are on demand. So when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. And as always, stay classy and we'll see you next time.